I'm not lying, man. Man. Right off, right there. I'll see you in the beginning, Brad. I'm willing to die, too. I want to make movies out of blood, origin, sperm, and tears. I believe, I believe this went out. I got, I got to talk to someone. Great, great job, great job. Dude, that doesn't make any sense. What? It's a jig, I swear to Christ. My line's in the middle of the road. As long as the bar is Philadelphia. Plenty of sausages. Everything but the little fishies. Alright, welcome back. So today we're going to be talking about the new trilogy of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, last week we got through Burton. <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, we certainly did. Um, it was a wild ride. Uh, so thanks, Burton, for... Trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he ripped the band-aid off. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. Had, like, the, that, that was definitely a very large and formidable task to have to, after that many years, bring the Planet of the Apes back from the dead. And, and if anything, he made it, he made, he made the, the culture more accepting for what would come next. You know what I mean? He did make the culture more accepting <laughs> for what would come it next. Because couldn't do much worse than what he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that leads us to what comes next. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the... Basically, 10 years later, the 2001 Planet of the Apes. uh, I mean, Burton clearly wanted to leave room for a sequel, obviously. You know, like, that was also part of the ending's design was to create a cliffhanger so that the studio could choose to maybe follow it up. Um, Not entirely certain why they didn't. I guess it was probably more the critical uh, reception to the movie that made them not move forward with it. Of course, Because the movie made tons of money. Oh, did it? Oh yeah, it was a success overall. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Cost a hundred, cost a hundred million to make. It grossed like three hundred sixty-two million. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I guess they just realized nobody's going to see the sequel. <laughs> you got them all out here based yeah, on yeah, the yeah. idea, but this isn't going to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess there was still a uh, discerning audience out there at that point. <laughs> this movie would do much better today. Mm-hmm. Just keep pumping out the shit so they, based on the. So name. yeah, they waited. They waited 10 years, but as far as I can tell, the, um, you know, it's another, it's another 20th Century Fox studio initiative, but it kind of looks like they were giving a lot of new talent a, uh, a chance here with Rise of the Planet of the Apes that came out in 2011. All right. Well, first, before um, we even get started on this, can we discuss the titles? What titles? Rise, Dawn, and War. Sure, I don't have any. What do you? Have My to say problem about? is that dawn comes before rise. Sure. Like the first one should be dawn, and the second one should be rise, right? Like dawn happens, and then there's sunrise. It's not the sun doesn't rise, and then there's dawn. I guess, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean. <laughs> I don't know. It's a stupid sure. observation, I mean, but it's just like it bothers me. Like, why didn't the first one dawn? When it's dawning, and then there's the rise. When I mean, he rises. Rise, rise and dawn are basically trying to say the same thing. Like, yeah, no, I know, but it's just time, the timing yeah. of the sunrise. <laughs> just like, it's like, say, it's like before sunrise, before sunset. That makes no, sense yeah. because sunrise comes before sunset. But like dawn and rise, like dawn should come before rise. But dawn is the sequel to no, rise. Right, That's stupid. Right. <laughs> it's, it's hard to remember which one is first because they have it backwards. And it's just because rise is a better title, I guess. And then they were like, well, we need to do another one that's kind of like that. And then they went with dawn. But it's 
It's stupid, no? Have I, have I ever learned on this? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me, but I had that thought. Yeah, yeah. I think... It's obviously a thing where they didn't know there was going to be a sequel, just like every other time, you know. I mean, this was definitely, based on the reception of the Tim Burton one, this was definitely a risk yeah, yeah, yeah. to try and bring this back again, and they had no idea whether or not it would succeed and they'd be able to do more. Right. Um, and yeah, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is an appropriate title because we are talking about the beginnings of yeah. the Planet of the Apes. But you know what comes even before the rise? Is the dawn. Is the dawn. <laughs> So, yeah. All right, I'm sorry. And that <laughs> would have made more sense because this it really is the dawn. Yeah, it's it should like the, they, very they, yeah, the very first inkling of the, this thing. Yeah. Whereas the second one is the rise. It's yeah. the actual like formulating of the thing. Exactly. That, you know, absolutely leads and necess- necessitates the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, they should just go back and switch them. Yeah, I guess so. But be too bad. It's not the way it is. Yeah. Um, but sorry, could do. Yeah, <laughs> Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I remember going to see this in theaters and being pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, me too. Um, yeah. As a hater of the first one, or you know, as a hater of the Tim Burton one. Tim Burton one. Uh, I was really the thing. The thing that I think really stands out to me about these movies is that, unlike the Tim Burton one, um, this one feels like it's made by people who really give a shit about the original movies. Um, and I don't oh, yeah. know that they give a shit in the right way necessarily, and we can talk about that, but these movies are very much remakes of the Planet of the Apes sequels um, in a way sure. that shows yeah, yeah. that these people watched those movies and remade those, um, as opposed to just kind of stuck to the name or tried to redo the you know reveal of the mm-hmm. um, Statue of Liberty or whatever. It, instead of doing that, it was like, what do we actually like about this? It's this whole thing and this timeline, whatever. And they tried to remake that. And I think that that really... I appreciated that because to me, that's what Planet of the Apes is about. Like we were saying with Burton's, like the idea of remaking Planet of the Apes, like dropping all of the storyline and instead sticking to like updating the aesthetics and trying to get across like the dream reality thing. Like that's, that's not what Planet of the Apes is for me. Like Planet of the Apes for me is very much about the rise of Caesar and like this thing that, you know, ends up talking about all these other, but it's that is the thing that these movies chose to remake, and I appreciated that just because it's like these people at least know what the Planet of the Apes is. And Burton, maybe sure, in the commentary yeah, yeah. he did more or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Maybe, maybe it was studio involvement or whatever, but that movie doesn't feel like it knows or cares about what the original Planet of the Apes are at all. Um, yeah, yeah. So this was we refreshing to me um, to see, like, oh, actually, they are remaking the storyline also- with... Sorry, what? you could also see it. Uh, you could also see it as them not caring that very much about the source material, though. In a way, oh, well, I completely agree. I completely agree. I, in I a think way, I've... in a way, you could see it as like them um, remaking ones that people don't historically care about to be safe. Being like, you know what? There's actually some good material here, but people don't care about these, so we'll steal that and do right. like a more watered down, not as deep version of that. Right. Right. I think, like, because, like, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is very much a remake of Conquest. Right. Um, and then Dawn and War are very much a remake of Battle, spread across two movies. Right. I mean, it, it, um, Rise is Escape and Conquest, um, I would say. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I don't think the themes of right, Escape are as represented in it as Conquest. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, just, I just think the whole storyline with James Franco um, is very much like the Escape storyline. We're talking about, like, like I mean, and, and, and I guess the beginning of Conquest, but there's the hiding the baby and stuff uh, and trying to raise him in mm-hmm. secret. I mean, I guess a lot of it takes place between Escape and Conquest, but the, the opening thing is kind of the Escape sort of thing, and then you have Conquest take over, like... You know, but it's a remake well, of those ideas, yeah. I think. Um, the the controversy surrounding the rise of this race of apes and whatever, and like the actual story about Caesar himself. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would agree that the origin of the story, the beginnings, mere escape a little bit. Yeah. As far as like, you know, um, they capture his mother, who is named Bright Eyes, and they have her in like a medical facility or whatever and they're subjugating her and then this project is deemed to be unsafe and so they shut it down and they kill all the apes in the lab but the one baby survives right um which is he doesn't have the heart to kill him or whatever yeah so that's that's escape which is the first like 10 minutes of the movie or something but then you get into a narrative that's far more like conquest where you were James well, Franco's now playing more of the Armando character. But for, for it's a while, about trying to keep him. For a while, it's the stuff between Escape him, and Conquest. Uh, <laughs> right? Like what you're talking about. What? This is the stuff between Escape and Conquest. This is stuff we don't see in the original trilogy. But like the what we imagine is Armando raising him in the zoo and trying to keep him secret and that sort of thing. This movie is the first one to actually explore what happens between Escape and Conquest, right? So there's that first part of the movie that's kind of the escape part of the movie. And then the second part that you're talking about where he's raising him in the house with his father and stuff, that's kind of like an in-between escape and conquest thing, which is like Armando Yeah, but I don't see that as any different than the beginning of Conquest where he's like on the leash and he's taking him around and explaining things. Like, it feels like the same kind of thing to me. Yeah, I mean... It's, that's yeah. the, that's yeah, the yeah. raising of Caesar and the him like understanding like what he finally is and stuff like... Him taking him around and sh- showing him the subjugation of the apes and conquest is like James Franco taking him to the lab and being like, this is where you were born and all right. that stuff. But that happens after yeah. the whole part in the beginning with him trying to live in the house secretly and then biting the Yeah, we're talking and- about like 15 minutes, man. Yeah, we're talking yeah, yeah. about like a... Like, it all happens so fast. Yeah, because like it's all just, it all just plays as exposition. Like, that's the thing. Is like, I thought that these were really interesting ideas. Um, the idea of trying to raise this sort of, you know, special kid uh, who's, you know, I don't know, like an exceptional, you know, intellect or whatever. And that, like, society is keeping him in this place and you're trying to raise him separate from that and then, like, show him these things. Like, I thought that was all very interesting. Sure, yeah. But, like, the way that it's played in the movie is just, like, exposition and, like, yeah, we just cut ahead five years. And his girlfriend still doesn't understand that, like, this ape was taken from the lab. Like she's like a, a ape scientist and shit. <laughs> she's, she's a veterinarian. And she's just like, wait a second. He came from the lab. That's why he can like totally do all these things that totally make no sense. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you've been in this relationship for five years. You haven't figured this out. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. I yeah. think where it's just writing it in and covering all this time and just like being like, well, this is what happens just to get to the actual story we want to tell, which is conquest. Yeah, Rupert Wyatt specifically said that it doesn't make any sense that she wouldn't have figured this out by now, and this is something they just ignored. Yeah. Oh, they said that in the commentary. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. He was funny. like, we we had this conversation on the set, and we decided to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I agree. Also, another thing he said in the commentary was that they they wanted to get through the exposition as fast as possible. Yeah. They wanted to get through that whole beginning of the movie as fast as possible. But see, that's that's it kind of the fast. problem with me is like yeah. I I would like to watch that whole movie and like take that movie very seriously the way that Escape does. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like have a lot of scenes of like him dealing with the higher ups at the <laughs> lab and trying to deal with the politics of hiding this guy that you can't quite like. I mean that that to me is an interesting movie um, in in the style of the original Planet of the Apes. But instead, it just kind of it's like all right, let's get that out of the way because we don't want to tell that movie, but we have to restart the whole thing. So this is all. So it just feels like, especially rewatching it because I, I watched it a couple times recently. Rewatching it, it just feels like going through the motions, and there's no real. It's not that interesting, you know. Yeah, but so does a Nolan. I kind of think like this movie operates a lot like a Nolan, and it comes a few years after The Dark Knight, and I think that's the DNA. Like that's where Hollywood films are at this time, and that's the kind of like vibe it has. Yeah, so it's like I, very quick cut, very quick cutty, moving forward. Um, Exposition-y, which is like basically how the beginning of the Dark Knight feels. Exactly, you know, which is exactly. so quick. But in the so Dark Knight, there's not going to be anything that's as stupid as the girl not realizing for five years. Like, you know what I mean? There's, of course, like, he's yeah, got yeah. the exposition and the fast and the whatever, but it's for something. Um, and then when you rewatch that, yeah. like all of those things work and whatever. Like when you rewatch this, it's just kind of like, wait, you're just this is so kind of lazily stuck together, but okay, it gets us to the... Well, I think I think, I think think there was a fear that if it didn't immediately get to Andy Serkis and the way to performance stuff, that like it wouldn't grab people. Right. Like, that it needed to get there as quickly as possible. And honestly, like I don't think they did the wrong thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And the movie, the movie is fun. And I, even though it's a little rushed, I think the pacing in the beginning works. Mm-hmm. And, um, it works enough. But I, But I do think... The Andy Circus way to digital performance thing is the thing that surprised me the most, and the thing that I kind of was like unexpectedly really into. Yeah, um, everything. I mean, it's once, funny that like once the humans are out of the picture and all the stuff's happening in the uh, in the the prison, like that stuff's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that's like pure cinema. Oh yeah, um, totally. And it's yeah. really like because I mean the big the big problem I have with this movie is that like the stuff with the people just sucks. Like, all of these human performances feel like that scene in The Dark Knight where they're like, things are worse than ever. You know what I mean? It just feels like you hired some person to, like, play this thing and do that. Like, and especially that kid who's, like, when when he does the, it's a madhouse. Like, that kid. Remember that fucking kid? Like, he's so bad. Draco Malfoy. He doesn't, yeah, Malfoy, I guess. He, like, he doesn't know what movie he's in. Um, And, Mm -hmm. like, there's a, the, the, the girlfriend is the same. Like, she's just as bad, but she's just, like, not even a character. Like, everybody's terrible except for Franco and Brian Cox, I think. The um, the black guy, what's what was his name? He's he's really bad, too. I um, forgot, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but it, like... Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I think the human char- human characters kind of suck. And I think that Franco and Brian Cox, they're, they're good in spite of their lines. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. Brian Cox's character is, like, written, like... Bad, like the only thing that's interesting about him is how like down how he downplays everything and just kind of like seems somewhat reasonable in the end where he's just kind of like oh yeah Brian like, Brian Cox is a is a real actor in yeah. the sense that he knows how to find something even if he has nothing to work with right and and his character feels really real 
But having him fucking yeah, bouncing yeah. off of that kid is just like, then why? Ugh, you know what I mean? This Jesse Pinkman knockoff mm-hmm. guy is so fucking annoying. Uh, he is a really annoying character, yeah. yeah and it doesn't but feel I like you're say, watching. Like, like it's a different movie. It doesn't. He feel doesn't. Like, he doesn't derail the movie though, and I think like the moment when Caesar speaks and says no to him all really works well and. It's it's kind of like I I think it's amazing that that works well so well even though like right before that moment you have Malfoy saying get your stinking paw off me you damn dirty ape yeah you know? yeah it's which like is the worst part of the whole fucking movie to have him to have like the kind of the best moment of the movie come directly after one of the worst moments of the movie yeah 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 <laughs> it's like it's like I really hate the um, re- repeating that line yeah. Yeah. Like, it barely works in the original movie. It only works because it's Charlton Heston. Yeah, exactly. And because he he just has a great way of delivering all those lines that don't really work. Yeah. But, like, when Michael Clark Duncan repeats that line in Tim Burton's one, fucking yeah. sucks. Yeah, it's and terrible. And when, like, Malfoy repeats that line in this movie, it fucking sucks. Yeah. I... I could even... I could see the Madhouse thing working if he wasn't yeah, so bad. Yeah, Madhouse one is... But Man, he is just so fine. bad that it's Whatever. it's not fine. Like it still sucks. <laughs> but like it's it could work as a cute thing. That's kind of like yeah, yeah, but no, it just doesn't. And then yeah, the the damn dirty ape one is like I, the worst ever, and it's such a. So yeah. I think I think like one of the things like you know if you're talking about the people who made this movie and that they are appreciators, I think like one of the broader points I could make about all three of these is the idea that, like, where we are in cinema right now is just a very different place than we were when the original five were made. And there does just seem to be something, like... And I was talking about how, like, the franchise wasn't really something that was totally figured out, like, Mm -hmm. during the first five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's kind of, like, a really weird experimentation phase of how you continue the story but keep it relevant. Right. Like, all this kind of stuff. Especially after they've destroyed the world. (laughs) Like... Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. These three movies have the franchise thing worked out, like, amazingly, but almost to a fault. Yeah, well, I think know? it's completely to a fault. Like, I mean, like like you were saying, like, this is completely a, ten, uh, a, uh, a uh, knockoff of the Dark Knight movies. And I think that yeah, not it's only— the idea, It's the idea of creating something that's very faithful to the original, and it's going to please the fans, and it's filled with, like, autistic Easter egg shit. But also that you do try to add something new and give a new experience that hadn't quite been done yet and whatever. And Well, I think it's more um, than that, though. I think it's, I think it's the, the Batman Begins, like Dark Knight, like we're doing the dark version um, and we're taking this seriously for a first time. And we're trying to tie in adult themes um, of like modern political paradigm shit, and and this one is actually the exact same thing though. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't take that and be like, okay, well let's do something new with it or whatever. It's like no, this is actually just like also like I don't know. It's like a it's a similar. Well, I think that I think that basically like there's an idea in in the at this time of like specifically like the no killing thing. There, that's one of them, right? That like Batman took seriously, kind of like. I mean, it's not really for the first time or whatever, but, like, taking that idea and applying it to, like, an adult movie, like, like I don't know. Like, the original Batman killed people, right? Like, in Tim Burton's Batman? Maybe he yeah. didn't. I thought well, he, he did. did. He did, yeah. Like, and I think that yeah. the the reason that, that they do the no-killing thing in um, 
the Dark Knight trilogy has to do with American exceptionalism and our ideas of morality and like holier than thou shit. And like this movie just kind of takes that and it's just like, well, I guess when we do a PG-13 franchise movie, we can't kill people. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, oh, well, that's just the style of it now. And it's doing that for no reason. Um, and it's, I don't know if that's true. I think I think you said in the other podcast that you would be really into the idea of a peaceful Caesar, and that's what this does. No, this, see, this does. I, I think this succeeds where conquest and battle, the theatrical version of conquest and battle, fail. You know, in giving us that version of Caesar that those movies tried to retroactively give us, or whatever. Like I do like the no killing thing and it carries over into the themes of dawn and war very beautifully it continues to be a conversation about that yeah i see i just i don't think it i don't think it does a good job of that conversation like specifically like when caesar kills the guard in the first place right like he doesn't actually kill the guard right he's spraying him with the hose that's a non-violent thing and but the guard being violent accidentally kills himself because caesar allows him to kill like you know what i mean it's like well, that's why I think Dawn is and War are better than this one. But, 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 you, but I think that that's that's interesting. Like I think that it's interesting that Caesar is like this guy who's not about killing or whatever, and he's trying to take over in a specific way. But then like he hits this thing where he accidentally kills this guy, but like that's his real escape. Like, and I think that if that was kind of like an introduction to killing for Caesar, that would be a great moment. You know what I mean? Of just kind of like oh, so he wasn't really trying to, but like this is the only way and this is how it goes and this is what a revolution is and that sort of thing. And then it becomes like, well, we need to kill to get at, like that would make some sort of sense. But like, as the movie goes on, like they get to the, the, like at the very end, they get to that fucking, um, um, bridge. And there's a guy with a Gatling gun on a, on a helicopter and he's shooting like dozens of apes. Like, you remember this? Yeah. yeah. And Mm -hmm. Caesar picks up a chain and he throws it at the helicopter. But he doesn't throw it at the fucking propellers because that would probably kill somebody. Like, instead, he, like, throws it at the guy operating the Gatling gun to, like, get him to stop shooting, I guess. Like, and then at that point, like, the uh, the pilot takes out a gun and starts shooting at them. At which point the gorilla has to jump up at the pilot, which he accidentally takes down the plane to, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's so many fucking steps to avoid what's actually happening, which is, like... Caesar is being shot at by these people. He goes and picks up a chain and throws it at the helicopter. He should have taken out the helicopter. That was the, that's what's obvious. Like the, the, when the, the cops are coming in, they pick up a manhole cover and throw it at this like police car. And like, it just gets stuck in the glass. (laughs) It doesn't decapitate these two cops who are driving at it at 50 miles an hour. Like instead it gets cut in the glass and then like they get saved. It's like, it feels so fucking cartoony and goofy. And like, and it doesn't embrace the actual moral grayness of revolution. I think that, that like one of the problems that we had in the original um, like theatrical cut was like the idea of showing this ape revolution without the violence is morally bankrupt. Like you need to show what that means. Otherwise, like what you're showing is just like, well, these are just a bunch of sweet prisoners who just like they don't want to take over society or anything. They're just trying to escape. Like, that's literally the whole plot of this is just, like, they're nonviolent, sweet guys who just want to go live by themselves in the woods. And it's like, there is no moral gray area there at all. It's just, like, you clearly know who's good and who's bad. And there's, 
no reason to like question any of it and it's just like a black and white morality tale about how weapons are bad and like mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i think that that continues into the other ones in a way that i think really hurts it um mm, i disagree i think the conversation is way better in don and actually works very well um it's 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 these things you're bringing up about rise that i think don't make rise work but I think that I think that specifically, like Rise, feels like it was written as a more violent movie, and then it was changed. Like the shot of the gorilla picking up a manhole cover and throwing it at the police, like that was definitely nobody conceived of that as like we're gonna do that and then the glass is gonna stop the thing. Like when he's picking up the chain and throwing it at a helicopter, everybody knows what he's throwing it at. It's the it's the it's the propellers. But then in editing, well, they changed is, it to uh, not the propellers. That's what it feels like. It feels like it's neuter. I think this is a I think this is a failure of just like trying to have your cake and eat it too and trying to please the studio while doing something and like wanting to have like an action scene at the end that is like somewhat big and explodey and whatever, but trying to still maintain the peaceful nature of the apes in spite of all that. I agree that those things stand out. But I think that's morally um, bankrupt too. I also think like I think there's I something wrong. I also think there was that. like well, also like he lets Koba kill the guy. Yeah. The black that's guy the who's one, the head of Genesis. That's like the one thing where it's like they make a big deal about one guy getting killed or whatever and it's just like this feels so dumb like now. This isn't this isn't like a conversation the way that it was like in the original movies you know what i mean there's like a reason that there's you feel complicated about these things in the end like you don't really feel complicated about koba like koba is just a victim of trauma and he is just like acting out against the people that caused his trauma and deserve to be punished like it's 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 so black and white you know what i mean and even though the movie kind of makes you like tries to pretend like it's a moral gray area it's like oh no but he's killing that's the big problem it's like dude you're in a war right now everybody's shooting like at these eight like what are you like i don't i'm not believing for a second that they're beating all of these people like non-violently to like escape to a place where they're gonna peacefully like it just it ends up feeling so stupid and that sucks because because like up until the point when they like when they break out when they finally go in and when they get to the headquarters of the um the the drug place like that's it's like it's like I was I almost had tears coming like I was like on the edge of my, like I was loving this movie dude it was just like I can't believe how good this is I didn't remember how good this was he's taking over they're going in oh my god this is amazing and it's like wait they're just Ah, it's turning into like everybody's wearing like punching gloves and like boxing gloves and like not actually hurting each other. It's just like this feels there's no stakes anymore. Um, and I'm completely out of the movie from that point until the end. And then I think I stay in that place throughout Dawn and and, and, uh, and War too. Yeah, even though I because, really don't think you should. I think they continue with this same like, I think they continue with the same thing. Like, this no-killing thing, I think, is, like, such a weird thing to put into the Planet of the Apes franchise. The anti-gun, no-killing thing is, like, so... It's it's from another franchise. It's from Batman. That's where it belongs. Like, just because Batman was no, successful with that idea... it's from Battle, man. <laughs> it's from Battle. No, Ape it's not. Ape shall not kill Ape. Ape shall not kill battle. Ape is from Battle. They were fine killing people. Yeah, but I'm That's, talking it was about, a war. do you want to move on to Don? Because, <laughs> like, I, I, like, very much disagree with what you're saying when it comes to Don. Okay, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. Agree when it, I, would, I would agree when it comes to Rise. 
I just think as so the battles get on, like, it gets it gets crazier and crazier that they're not actually that we're not watching anything real. And then like I think that by the time you get to the end and you're seeing these like giant bloodless battles, like that is the thing that I feel like people used to talk about back in like the earlier in the two thousands where they're talking about like these violent movies where you actually see people's heads blown off and stuff and whatever, like they're way less morally bankrupt than these giant PG-13 CGI things where you see cities destroyed and there's all this mass destruction, but like you don't actually see anybody get hurt. Um, I think personally, I think this is all happening in Batman Begins and you can have the same problem with that one too, for the same reasons. No, but I think in Batman Begins, it's part of a conversation about morality. Um, I, I think it's just as bankrupt that Batman would like. No, part of, no, like it, he's no, always Batman's not killing is the same thing as Batman wearing a fucking stupid costume. It's like he's an insane person and he thinks that this is the way that it works. Everybody else, Ra's al Ghul is like, dude, you got to kill people. What are you talking about? He's just like, no, no, I'm better than that. I, like we can talk about the 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 Batman movies in another time or whatever. But I I think that like. Planet of the Apes never was about that. Charlton Heston never was about making this like tro- like a bunch of movies about how guns are bad. Like that's we we've like taken the the complexity of those movies and like the fact that like in the first one like he it is he needs to escape with his woman and his guns to get away from this thing. Like this one is very much like guns are bad and we just all need to be nice and peaceful and just like let the victims like escape to the place where they want to be and just let them be nice. Why is everybody so mean to them all the time? And why is there just all this violence? You should just let them escape and then it would be they just want to live peacefully. Like, you know what I mean? And it's not like, well, then we're not talking about anything, you know? But yeah, we can move out of Dawn. Like, I, I think I think Dawn tries to talk about stuff, too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I might have wanted to talk more about Rise, but I just I'm really I don't know what the. Um You've just gone so hard on this point that, like, I don't know where to go. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I guess I'm just going to say right off the bat that none of that actually bothers me. Like, I know what kind of movie I'm watching when I watch this movie out of the gates. So it's like, in a way, I don't really care how much it, like, deals with nuance in the way that the other ones do. Like, it's not that kind of movie. Right. And it's kind of obvious it's not. And... Honestly, I think it's just another cognitive dissonance thing. The fact that Caesar has to deal with like his peaceful ambitions at the same time as escaping and whatever. But why does he have peaceful ambitions? Because he still loves humans and they raised him and he's actually part human and so there is a part of him that is connected to that and like connected to their humanity despite all their savagery that's the cognitive dissonance of being a human as well and i don't really think the stuff like like yeah i mean i think obviously that's so much more interesting in in conquest where it's like yeah dude he was raised by humans and like he has to understand these like i don't know but i don't know yeah i don't like i guess i get all that but I don't really care, honestly. Like, 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 none of that really matters to me. Like, it's not something that stands out to me as a problem with the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's part of the it's part of the idea of what a franchise movie is. To and me, it's, it's doing that thing. To me, it works within the reality of the movie because, like, it's not unbelievable that this character can have a cognitive dissonance about how he's supposed to be going about this, and that it's all like a learning curve and whatever. And he's trying to, like, you know discourage like very brutal acts of killing 
or whatever, but still has to like let go these moments of collateral damage that could very well have killed a person, you know? Right. right. Um, cause they are just trying to get through it safely, but they're being attacked and they're being sticked on by policemen with horses and all this kind of stuff, you know? But yet they can maintain so their like, perfect angelic victim status by not ever striking back. Even when 10 of them are being gunned down, he chooses the non-violently hitting them with a chain. And so that we have no moral ambiguity and, I, I don't know. I yeah, just yeah. I could get it's behind I could get behind Caesar if he's killing not people. That's all. In that I did. Moral, it's not interested in that moral ambiguity. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not interested in that. Yeah. And it was like this movie was going to have more moral ambiguity. There was going to be more violence in it. Like for instance, there's the scene where Caesar attacks the the neighbor. Right. Right. There's a deleted scene where he actually fully bites the guy's finger off and spits it onto the ground, but they cut that out. And what's actually funny is that, it's like... stupid, though, because then it looks like he didn't ever spit it out. <laughs> well, yeah, because it kind of still looks like he bit his finger off. No, he did bite it his finger like off. Still, he, you can no, he still, you can still see what, him holding mm-hmm, his hand and there's no, a bloody finger. Because it's he points no, he points and he pokes him in the chest with his finger and then he goes and you see him, like, I'm but a, you don't actually see the I'm, thing get I'm, bitten I'm, off. You see him holding his hand like he got bitten off or whatever, but you don't actually see it, the, the like, yeah, it's, you feel that it was cut out. Like, Let me finish, brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a deleted scene where you see him bite the finger off, spit it out. In the theatrical version, his finger is still there. It's not bitten off. It's just red and bloody. Right. What I was trying to say is that they didn't succeed at making this less violent than it appears. It still feels like he bites his finger off. Right, right. Completely. It still kind of looks like he has the stub of a finger, but yeah. like if you look very closely, it's a blink and you miss it thing. Like you can tell he still has his finger, and it's just like it got like cut basically. Yeah, but it um, totally played for me those, like, as if he bit his finger. He bit his finger off. Like that's to me. I was like, mm-hmm. why isn't he spitting the finger out? It's still in his mouth. <laughs> like that's how it's, you telling me this is the first time I'm hearing that he didn't bite the finger off because I was like I swear to god I saw he was holding a bloody red hand it's like no I guess there was a yeah, finger yeah. there that so I missed I thought he, so it's stupid they didn't they like they didn't succeed at lessening the impact of that as being a violent moment but that's what the intent was that's what they were trying to do right like all throughout this movie Caesar was also going to kill the guy at the end Caesar was going to be the one to push the guy off the helicopter or whatever. Right, right. And then they instead did the thing where he passes it off to Koba. Right. Um, so, like, yeah. I mean, there was, like, a clear studio initiative to make it whatever. And I, I think, sure, we can get into that as far as, like, I agree. I think studio movies are different now. They don't have moral ambiguity. It's a very, like, you know, you have to know who you're rooting for. And, like, you don't want to be made... It's like why you could never have like the hero of your movie kill an animal or something like that. You know, right. like you can never have like anything happen that'll make the audience turn against the hero or feel morally ambiguous about them. Right. Um, right. I don't think that's a problem with this movie as much as a problem with the culture of film that we exist in and whatever. Yeah. But um, I think that's true. I mean, that, but that's but, that's my thing with these movies. Like, this is the thing. I, I feel like a lot of my criticisms thus far, like feel like they're aimed directly at this movie or whatever but i'm basically talking about like this is a paradigm of like once the the uh, batman begins thing happened like everybody copied that and that was just like what 
a big studio PG-13 movie was. It could be hardcore and smart and, you know, talk about all these things or whatever, but you can't have any violence, even though there's lots of violence. And it's it's that idea of things that, like, this completely is sure, as much sure. that formula as it is Planet of the Apes. Like, it's, it's almost 50-50, you know what I mean? And I think that that sure. formula is something that's also, like, very different from the original movies and, like, and what I think of as the planet of the apes you know what i mean and like like i said like these no, feel like they were you. written by people I, who I, I know those fair. and mind those and cared about those and whatever but i also really don't feel like it's written or at least that it's accomplished in a way that feels like people understood those original movies like i think that charlton heston watching a rise of the planet of the apes that's all just about like and and i mean really really dawn really dawn that's completely just about anti-gun like propaganda i think that's like so against what charlton heston's planet of the apes was you know what i mean and it's like it's almost one of these things that they're trying to correct for something like they're trying to like rewrite a thing to say the opposite thing or something like because the 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 modern politics of these movies and the lack of moral ambiguity the like very black and white morality of these movies um i think is like totally of this current paradigm um and like you know could be blamed on nolan in some ways i guess but like i think that his movies are more complex so i think I think this is an example of the culture sort of picking up on and copying the wrong things about a movie. Right. Or like misinterpreting why certain choices are made and just like, but like sort of clinging onto the aesthetics. Right. Um, like, so, you know, Steven Spielberg shoots the beginning of Saving Private Ryan with that kind of like really raw, high, uh, high shutter speed documentary footage style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like really, pass. really works in the Silver Pass. That really, really works for that movie in a way that's super genius and it's a four meeting function thing. But like after that moment, you get like the found footage genre, you get like so many movies where this kind of shaky, uh, high high shutter speed look is applied to things, but not applied to things with the same kind of meaning or intent that Spielberg initially did with his movie. Right. Right. And I think like something similar like that is happening here where like what the, the what this new trilogy gets right and does really well is a lot of the aesthetic stuff that actually doesn't work in the originals. Like a lot of the things that we complain about as not working in escape and and conquest and battle is a lot of the realism aesthetic stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, the stuff yeah. of like, that's not what a gorilla would look like after 20 years right. or how could they develop speech centers or right. why, how could they have fixed Taylor's ship and gone back in time and blah, blah, blah. Well, that, that's like, the thing. Th- this has a consistency. These, uh, this has a whole consistency. I agree. So, and so that removes all of these problems where in, in rise, we're not dealing with like time travel anymore or like apes coming back in time to start this whole process. We're dealing with people in laboratories, which is progress again, yeah, yeah. creating, sowing the seeds of their own destruction. And like it is a genetic engineering situation where like, and then Caesar actually like gives the drug to all the other apes in the zoo. Right. So like it has all these like very kind of like realism, aesthetic explanations to why the apes talk 
how they evolved. They are actually through the power of you know performance capture and CGI, very realistic looking apes and like have the characteristics of apes in our world that we would find believable. And then the, like the use of sign language is really cool. Yeah. And yeah. like that whole thing. Um, and them you know, slowly it, it, talking it, 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 is fucking like, like his, his saying no and shit, like, and you know, mm-hmm. and especially in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in this one, especially in rise, like the, them tr- his his every time he talks it just sounds like him grunting out like the shape of words He's really pushing out yeah, the yeah. word yeah and especially i mean at the beginning of dawn too there's that too where like whenever you hear them talk it's like <laughs> it's like it's an ape sound that's curved into a word thing and then like halfway through the movie they kind of drop that um and then they just kind of talk in caveman talk they don't really they don't really drop it i mean i i think like i think the, the apes start to speak in important moments and moments that need more cinematic impacts. Like they yeah. will continue to use sign language, but Koba just starts talking more and more. And that's like representative of his rise to power and stuff and his ability to command. And no, yeah, but I'm not, I'm know, not even like, talking about, I'm not even talking about like the, the amount of talking. I'm talking about the ease of talking at the beginning, sure, at the sure. beginning of Dawn, like it totally keeps doing the thing from rise where it's like, they really are, they, their mouths are not made for this. And they're like grunting out these things that sound similar to what they heard humans do, which like we know how to do, but like they can't sure, But sure. then by the end of it, they're just kind of like talking like Tarzan, you know? And it's like, all right, well, I know you had to kind of uh, drop that yeah, eventually. I think that's a very fine. black and white way of looking at it. I think, I don't think it's like quite that stark and it's no, so no, it, well done. If yeah. you ask me and like really well balanced it, out, it, that, like, it gets it works you, really it slowly well. gets you into it, you know? Like war, war has a lot more talking. War, yeah. they've like advanced a little more, and they're you know not using sign language as much. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like Caesar is like a straight up just kind of always talking in war at that point. Yeah, he's, he's very fluent and whatever. Um, but I I do like that. I do like that it covers all those bases that like the originals didn't in a way. But ultimately, like these are the kind of like nerdy autistic things that people will focus on these days and get worked up over when exactly. it really doesn't matter. Like they're talking about lore and consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like very, very like like it's the reason why you would make an entire Star Wars movie that's predicated on the plot hole, quote unquote, of having an exhaust port in the Death Star right. that would allow you to blow it up immediately. It's like this was never a problem and the fact that it became such a nerdy like obsession to consider this a problem that you would build an entire movie around explaining that is so stupid. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, and I just think that like, it like, yeah, or at least, I mean, maybe, or at least lot. it's like a different idea of what well, it's, maybe it's not stupid. Maybe it's autistic. <laughs> like maybe it's not like, it's just a totally sure, different idea of what a stupid. thing is. It's like, what's interesting about star Wars could be like, it's it's place in cinema history as this referency thing to these other things. It does something very simple but classical in this way that really works, whatever. Or what's interesting about Star Wars is like the very specific thing that happened to Boba Fett when he was three that then made the thing of the Clone Wars that the <laughs> blah blah like you know what I mean? It's like and you know, same with the Planet of the Apes, dude. Your extended universe information culture exactly. kind of like and like the original the original Planet like, of the Apes. You don't like, actually really care. Like, you don't actually really care what this movie's about or what it's talking about, what the themes are, because then more people would like Escape and Conquest. 
Yeah. But like people don't like those movies because they don't like actually satisfy the autistic pleasures. They're like stupid movies and concepts and aesthetic, but really they're like very smart movies. Right. Right. Um, like maybe like the concept is a half and half thing. The aesthetic concept, right? Like we went over all this. The fact that they would go back in time, blah blah blah. Yeah. Rebuild the ship. The evolution things, the talking things, like yeah, none of it really making any sense. Yeah, but, but those those like being, being like, the yeah, things but, that you wanted to correct, you know what I mean? It's such a like, sure, it's such sure, a bizarre yeah, yeah. and modern idea of like franchise science fiction, like that whole thing where it's just like, oh no, we need to make sure that like this is consistent with that, and that this thing is set up by that thing and whatever. And it's like, I actually really like that in these movies. That's a, I think that this does that very oh, yeah, well. Me too. But I also just think that that's well. like not yeah. what the Planet of the Apes is about, and it's never been what's good about it. And like, just like the ape costumes, like making the ape costumes so much better in Burton's thing is like, well, yeah, great, that's cool. But like, it was never about the ape costumes. It's about a bunch of conversations about power. Um, and then this one is like, well, we're going to create the lore and we're going to make sure that this is a perfectly closed timeline and whatever. And it's like, well, that was part of what was cool about it, but it wasn't the thing. Like the thing was being able to discuss all these incredibly dark like things and like really, I don't know, connect to them in a, in a gray area way. Um, and that's sure, the thing I, that I they're not trying movies, to. I find these movies very satisfying in, in an aesthetic sense. Totally, like, totally. Or at least I, Rise. I, I, I really found Rise very satisfying in, a, in an aesthetic sense, except for the fucking lack of violence, which is so, it just stands out to me so much. Probably because I just watched fucking Conquest. Like, but the, mm-hmm. like how fearless Conquest is versus like how incredibly, like how many steps this movie takes to make sure that every moment of violence like is completely motivated by some accident that nobody had any choice then he accidentally killed himself and like he was just defending himself and mm-hmm. then was using a spray that shouldn't have killed him but and it's like that stuff to me is it takes up so much of the movie like i don't know whereas instead yeah, you yeah, could yeah. just kind of have these well, moments and be like damn dude fuck he just did that and i still on his side i guess i am fuck yeah this is great like you know sure know. sure sure like let's not keep harping on that like um yeah, sorry. I, I don't know i i I do like these movies aesthetically, though, and I prefer Dawn and War aesthetically to Rise, honestly. I think they're way more cinematic and beautiful. Um, but, like, I also do just love the CGI, man. I, like, I'm not, like, a like an outright fan of CGI for its own sake. Um, but, I, I, like, I really like the makeup effects in the originals. Like, I like the cognitive dissonance of looking at a person in an ape mask and like i like the way it looks and i get that the aesthetics aren't like in like what's deep about the movie but they but they that's the surface level you know the surface level is is like looking at an image that somehow intrigues you and that you are kind of that you kind of find seductive or stimulating yeah yeah and i think the the motion capture cgi performance thing is like a super stimulus in a way that i find the makeup faced actors to be i think there's something like, so, like, going back to what Burton said, like, Burton obviously got it wrong. Like, obviously, he was talking about CGI in 2001, and he was absolutely right at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though, like, you know, um, he was about to be proven wrong with Andy Serkis playing Gollum in The Two Towers and whatever. But... Well, nah, but then proven this, right over the years. Have you watched The Two Towers again? 
Maybe proven right over the years or whatever. Because it's it's hard to watch Gollum now, dude. It's way hard to watch Gollum now in a way that it's not hard to watch Caesar. There's a significant yeah, yeah, update yeah. in CGI between Caesar, these movies. Caesar is a beautifully rendered CGI character slash performance. Yeah. And I think like it's been refined to that point where like the performance does come through and there is this cognitive dissonance where actually you kind of are just watching a human wearing a mask again. It's a digital mask. But like that's Andy Serkis's face, and those are his movements, and that is like a like a naturalistic human performance being captured and then like conveyed through this like vicariously through this like really weirdly uncanny valley stimulus. Yeah, that I find to be pretty satisfying and stimulating in a way that is kind of hard to describe. Um, no, I, I agree. I, like, I think that if you and, and having rewatched these, I think that Rise, there's still some problems with the CGI. Like I don't think it looks great all the time, um, just because yeah, it yeah, is what 2011. Like so, it, there's still mm-hmm. stuff. Ha- but by the time you get to War, like this franchise, you really see kind of the the perfection of this type of CGI. Um, oh yeah, it's through, pretty beautiful, and like the snow effects and the water effects and. Like, I mean, each of these movies was a huge advancement in this kind of technology, and these might be among the best mocap movies ever made, except for maybe Avatar. But, but like, what's so cool about these movies, especially Dawn and War, like, if we can just start to shift over to those two, is, like, they're shooting in, like, mostly actual locations with, like, real rain, and they're, like, actually contending with the elements and, like, bringing out all these mocap cameras and shit like that. Right. There's... Something I really love about the the aesthetics in Dawn and War because of this, because it feels so much more tactile and off of the soundstage, um, that those are real trees and that's real rain and like they're really building these sets out there, out there in the environments and stuff like that. And there's like yeah, yeah, very yeah. few you, you scenes the in, in Dawn. Yeah, you feel the texture. Um, but then the whole mocap thing gets to the kind of partly gets to the reason of why the human performances don't work as well Yeah, is because I'm not sure how much you know about this, but like, you know, they have to shoot every single one of these scenes three times. I believe. So they'll like, they'll shoot it with the mocap actors and then they'll shoot it without the mocap actors. And then they'll shoot like a a blank slate as well. Yeah. 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 So most of the human performances were taken from, you know, the shots where they're not working against any of the mocap actors. Right. Okay. So there's like a weird like dissonance that's happening there Yeah. where like all the mocap performances are like the best takes they got. Yeah. Whereas like all the human performances might not be the best takes they got. Right. That makes sense. And that makes sense. There's that kind of thing going on throughout all these that yeah. they haven't been able to get past yet. I think, I mean, it also was pretty new to be doing that at this point, too. Like the, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. just Especially having in these environments. Act, I mean, I guess, I guess they've been doing that for a while, whatever. but just, yeah, just like acting against a green screen person and pretending and stuff is like, I don't know. It's not, mm-hmm. it probably wasn't it as commonplace yeah. as it is today. People where people are just used to it. But I do think the human performances are better in Dawn. I, I like Gary Oldman. I think the characters are a little better. Yeah, I think basically because they're also alive. much more toned down. Like, yeah, and they have that, such a sure. smaller like role in the movie. I think it was a. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the first one really like they they kept Franco and all that stuff in there, basic or you know, put it in there because 
they didn't trust the movie to be completely run by a CGI main character. You know what I mean? And I think that that movie totally proved the CGI main character worked and like you didn't need all that Franco shit, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. basically they, they, they completely, and, yeah. yeah, they just, they completely removed that in this character, in this movie and like did as few humans as they could. Um, which is, I thought, sure, great. exactly. Um, mm-hmm. because, I mean, they're, they're they do not, a good. They really do a good job at the perspective shifting to like. I, I think they do a good job at like, um, not keeping the movie as one perspective. So that that's also what I think really does work about Dawn. Like you could, you can argue that it's like child's play compared to like Army of Shadows, like uh, Bridge of Spies, and like all these things you were comparing the originals to in their kind of nuanced way. But like you know, I mean, if you look at what's <laughs> going on in the world today right now and um, the conflicts in the Middle East or whatever, like Dawn is a very simple and watered down expression of how that kind of struggle comes to be. I do, no, that's, that's I do the thing. think that even so, though... I, I think that this Dawn, even more than Rise, is doing the Dark Knight formula. Like Rise is taking like the Dark Knight aesthetic formula and stuff and whatever, but like Dawn is the movie that is completely just like, oh, we're just going to talk about the war in Iraq and that, you know, uh, violence precipitates violence and essentially like, you know, do the exact thing that the Dark Knight's trying to do, but in like a really banal way. Um, that was that was kind well, of I don't think it is doing the same thing. I think the Dark Knight is having a very different conversation than than Dawn. OK, like like Dark Knight. Like, I don't want to keep talking about what the Dark Knight's about. You know? <laughs> like, we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. But like, I I think Don is about like that that miscommunication and that complication of creating peace between two cultures that that aren't necessarily uh, compatible. And this is like a big conversation in Planet of the Apes that I think is represented in Don, kind of like how the progress angle is really represented in Rise and Tim Burton's. I think the idea of cultures not being able to collaborate because of very fundamental differences and especially traumas that they that's have the thing. in their past. I, I, think, uh, I think that it's not Mayukoba. because of fundamental differences. That's the, that's the problem I have. In, in the original Planet of the Apes, there are these fundamental differences and there are these kind of um, clashes of cultures and ideas and like progress versus not progress and the, these, the moral gray area between those and whatever. In this one, we're basically talking about a problem of poor communication, like you said, and, like, and trauma essentially. So like, it's, it's basically yeah, like, but I think that's that, actually like, more realistic. I think that's generally how it goes down. Like, I don't think the original Planet of the Apes, even though it's super interesting, like actually does, it represents only kind of like complexity and cognitive dissonance and therefore doesn't say anything specific about that kind of thing. Like, of course, Taylor, doesn't jive with the ape culture. There's such disparate things. Like he comes from a different time entirely and stuff like that. This movie is talking about something more realistic, which is like just two cultures trying to make their way in the world at the same period of time with similar kind of resources. And ultimately I think just like conquest, just like battle was sort of like, I think this, this is a much better version of battle where we are talking about the complexities of like how you rem- how you do something better like Caesar is trying to be better and they create the whole ape shall not kill apes like 
uh, ethos and that whole thing of just trying to make a better world and whatever, but that being like compromised by the sins and traumas of the past that we, that we just, that keep following us or whatever. But my thing is like the movie, the movie keeps making excuses to make that conversation though. Like when Caesar gets those guns in the first place, he like confiscates the guns from the humans and he just breaks them. Like they've got a whole society that they're, they're just like, and you know, there are people out there with guns and you're just going to be like, no, no, we're not going to use these. Like, this is, this is dumb. Like you, you like, unless you just like know that you have so much power that, but like, it doesn't make, any sense he doesn't to know do that. like i don't know and i don't think i i, I don't know i, don't I understand agree. it I think, as like, like the movie being like no he's the, the pure moral person and as a pure moral person he's against guns and so he's gonna get rid of the guns and the rest of the movie is just like all of these humans are bad because they have guns and the problem that they have they're is also that they have not this tri- dude they're also like they're also not trying to learn how to use medicine right like they're not they're just like it's not just about the guns man they're just trying to stay primitive they're not trying to be the humans or evolve into any of those technological areas. Like, it's exactly what, like, I mean, I think that makes sense. They're trying not, they're trying to ignore progress. And that's what the gun I mean, represents. Caesar, like, Caesar's okay with, with people treat, like, the Western that, medicine. Well, though. yeah, he comes, ar- he, he, he comes around to that. Yeah, just like he's going to come around to the guns and everything. You know, like, yeah. It's it's I think it is the conversation of trying to be better and being naive and thinking that you could and like going mm-hmm. on into war Caesar becomes closer and closer to the identity of Koba as it goes on and he becomes more of a murderer and it is the story of that transition of like thinking you could be better and really trying to do that but then realizing that actually ape and man are no different and they're going to go down very sim- similar paths and those paths lead towards misunderstanding and destruction and sadness and whatever you know like i think that all works really well and i i I like that i like that it's those misunderstandings and things that lead to that because that i think is real to me that it is usually about misunderstandings and a lack of communication and cultural understanding and and whatever um like i think those are all parts of it even though it's like very pushed forward by Koba and his like experience with the humans and his trauma. And that's why like Caesar and Koba are two sides of the same coin. It's the the other guy too. It's the human, the human guy. He's just like a, you know, paranoid warlord with PTSD as well. Sure, sure. And, and it's just like, that's, it wasn't but this is my thing, man. If you're, if, if, you're showing, the, if you're showing if the war in Iraq. If it wasn't for the... Ah! <laughs> God damn it. I want to get some of these thoughts out, man. You're killing me. You good? You good? Um... The other human, if it wasn't for him, like Gary Oldman would be attacking them. So it's not it's not like a thing where there's a lot of misunderstandings and not knowing what the actual consequences are going to be. And it's the not knowing that makes people do these things. Like that's how escalation happens. You don't really know the other side or fully trust them, but you're trying to. You don't really know what they're going to do or what they're capable of. And you're treading lightly and trying to put your pieces in a place where if something goes down, you know, you'll be able to do something about it. And I think, like, Caesar is being insanely naive in what he's doing. But, like, both things are true. Koba's right that the humans are dangerous and that they have this all these weapons. They have an army and that they could yeah, the wipe them out at any point. He's totally right about that. 
and that they even plan on doing that if they're not going to help them set up the power plant. But then Caesar's also right that there's some humanity and they're good people who really do want to build bridges, try to work together and whatever. But it's that it's the fact that like that none of those people represent the whole group and how there's never going to be like a full understanding and cohesion, even within the like the singular culture itself, you know, that leads to all that complication and that escalation and whatever. Well, kind of. But I think I think that in the movie, what we see is like. Both of these cultures are totally fine being totally peaceful and they're all filled with like totally reasonable people except for these warlike leaders who are dragging us into this violence because they have these weapons that they need to use like it's like the the false flag like they they like kill Caesar they create a false flag attack on Caesar in order to start this false war right like and it, it's it's for what? For like Koba to gain his power and to do this thing. But it's like it's all based on just like, dude, if like anybody had just talked to anybody and just like anybody was reasonable, it would just all work out. The only problem here is that we have guns. Like if there was nobody with the guns and like the power to fight each other, then like we would all just get along. But instead, like because they find the armory or because they have this, or because, then this violence breaks out. The guns are the really only problem because then otherwise everybody could just get along, you know? I don't know. I think that's really reductionist. I think um, Koba finding the guns problem, is right? him. No, I mean, I don't think that's true, though. I think it's more complicated than that. I do think it's a lot more interesting than that. And that's super reductionist. Like, it's not just about the fact that there's guns. Like, that's that's really, like, weird that... Like, finding the guns is only, like, realizing the truth about what their abilities are. You know, like, that's... They like they just don't know anything about these humans or what they have or what they're capable of. They don't even know if they're militaristic. They're not, they're not projecting that they are. Right. You know? They don't know they have guns back there. Right. So it's like... It's, it's, but that's, it's their like, big, that's it's the like, big problem with the humans is that they have guns, right? Well... They also are going to go kill those apes if they don't fix the power plant. Well, just so because right. just because they've got one paranoid warlord who hasn't bothered to talk to anybody because he's got PTSD because of all of the trauma he's been through, just like Koba. That paranoid warlord has plenty of people on his side, and he's not the only human who makes mistakes or shoots another ape. Don't you remember the other character? Yeah, there's the the other guy who's the the crazy ape hating guy who sucks, he's just the, like the kid in the first yeah, he's movie. Like he's the, the only he's one the that's a ba- that gives a bad yeah. performance. Uh, the paranoid guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just like there. It's not like it's not like the warlords are alone, and Caesar is actually no, but it, but like they're they're Koba's, the warlord not a warlord. Yes, he is. He shoots and Caesar Koba's in order like, to create a false flag attack yeah. to create the false war in the Middle East that he wants to start in order to gain power because this is talking about neoconservatism I'm just in saying, America. Caesar is the, the one who formula. rules that group. Caesar is the one who rules that group, and yeah, he 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 stages a coup. And whatever. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's interesting. Like, I thought all that was awesome. Like, it, it's, you know, whatever. It's like, but like the I other, said, but my, my other problem is like, but it more. seems, it seems like, just like I was saying, like, it seems like it was written to make this point, right? Like, so him like breaking the guns when he gets the guns or whatever is like, this doesn't feel like it works at all in the reality of this movie. But the movie is trying to have a conversation about the morality of guns. And so we're going to break the guns when they get them instead of taking the only advantage they could have in this situation. Like, you know, you, see, I mean? you keep saying then, that about the guns. But, but for me, that doesn't similarly, matter at all. Like, similarly, how about the conversation? All right. About what guns. about what about uh, Caesar being killed and falling like the 9-11 falling man out of a tree? 
Does that not feel like a really, really like poorly thought through, overly convenient plot point in order to create this specific conversation? Like we need to have this false flag attack and then have I mean, like this guy get killed or whatever. It's like, wait, he falls out of a tree and nobody zero, looks at the bottom of the tree for like days zero, until the humans zero, come across zero, him. Zira and Cornelius going back in time is a convenient plot point to to talk about something. In order to talk like, about something. It doesn't something. matter. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. But what I care is, about is what it's talking about, and it's talking about something interesting, if you ask me, and doing it in a way that's really aesthetically pleasing. But see, like I, I think I think what it's talking about is like the war on terror, right? And we're talking about nine eleven as a as a as a thing as a thing no, to I start think a war. I think we're talking more about Israel and Palestine. Not in two thousand, like. 2000, which, like like 14 I, I think we were talking about 9-11 and shit just like the dark knight was um because it was copying the dark knight formula and it's using the idea of false flag attacks which was part of the internet conspiracy narrative about that that had popped up in the past like in the years like well, what i know this. is that they're not specifically talking about that but you know history rhymes it's happening again right now right right happened in world war ii as well so it's like this is just something that is like timeless and poetic and why I think it works. It, it can be applied to any of these conflicts or any of those things throughout history. Like that I think is very nice about it. Very clean and poetic. It's simple, but I think in its simplicity, very satisfying to me. No, I mean, I feel Dawn's that. I, like, my favorite I feel like it's, it's violence necessitates violence is something that, you know, is translatable to lots of different situations or whatever. I just find it to be like a banal commentary, you know? It's just kind of like, yeah, no, it's true, but, like, there's no moral gray area here that we're talking about. Like, it's just kind of like the only problems in this movie are that they have guns and that they have trauma. If there wasn't for, like, the PTSD of these two leaders and the over preparation for war that is their, like, standing, you know, army... Um, that necessitates a war because they have the standing army. Like, if it wasn't for that, then everything would be fine. There isn't any real conflict between the apes and the humans. They're not fighting over resources. They're not fighting over ideologies. They're not fighting over anything except, like, that the one guy who's in charge wants to kill the other guy. I just, I think that's kind of a huge missed thing, man. Like to focus on the guns and like that, I just think is silly. Like that didn't. That's not what it reads to me at all. Like I, I think a Koba is a, is a Zeus. A Koba is a person who understands that if you help the humans fix the power plant, then they're going to be a threat in the future. Right. Like that's what I think it's a conversation about. It's about hindering that progress and making sure that that other thing doesn't destroy your society. And that it's better that they be wiped off the face of the planet instead of allowed to live, no matter how much humanity you think they might have. Right, right. We're talking about battle, like, and beneath and stuff. It's the same. But it's it's a way better version of that. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. that. I mean, it's at, least, it's at least a better version than battle. Um, definitely. But Well, Dawn is battle, for sure. And then war is also partly battle as well. Yeah. So. Well, they're both beneath in battle. Like, they're both beneath in battle. War is even maybe more beneath, but war, <laughs> like this is beneath in battle and war is beneath in battle. Um, this may be more sure, battle sure. and war may be, may be more beneath because you've actually got the human virus stuff happening or whatever. But it's they're, they're almost the exact yeah. same movie, dude. Like 
Dawn and War are so similar. Dawn and War. Where they're both like about, like I think the difference is specifically like the thing they're trying to go after, which is like specifically like hot button internet topics of the time. So like in, in, you know, 2014 or like, I mean, 2008 to 2012, right? Like that was the time that we had like real good conspiracy theory videos. (laughs) on the internet you know what i mean that's when that's when like the world was going to end in 2012 because of project blue beam and they're going to kill like there's going to be god in the sky telling us to go to the uh, fema camps where they're going to kill us all like you know there's like all those really great conspiracy (laughs) theories and there's like loose change was talking about the you know 9-11's an inside job and blah 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 and it was a false flag attack in order to start this war in the middle east and blah 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 like and i think like that's that to me is like where this movie is is like it's doing that formula of this type of movie at that time and it's talking about those issues and like it's talking specifically about like a war in the middle east just like just like the dark knight was and stuff and our involvement in it and how we get involved like and how you know people are using the weapons and the power to to start wars to get power off of conflict and that's like all like but it's just it's just that like to me you know and and like i think that yeah that's um i don't read it i don't read it that way that's i guess we, we could just keep going in circles um but i don't i don't read it as like a i think it's a lot less of a metaphor for the war on terror than it is about like a warring tribes kind of situation like it's more ancient than that it's like it doesn't feel like it has the themes of neocon or like one even being more advanced than the other or about an occupation, even like, it's not, it's not about any of that, you know, it's just about like, like how you build trust between two different like tribes that have different like motives and identities. And I think that's more what war is about for me. Um, which I guess, I I guess they're similar, very similar. They're very similar. I think that, I think that for me, like when I was watching, when I was watching Dawn, like I was seeing, breaking the guns i was seeing not getting that power and trying to be better than and doing all these things and whatever and then a completely like just dropping that completely like whenever it got convenient you know like at a certain point in that movie don't they like caesar's against killing man the whole movie and stuff right but then like remember when there's the ape guards guarding that uh bus you remember all the apes are, are imprisoned are, what, on the bus what movie are you talking about uh, and dawn at the end of dawn all the apes are imprisoned on that bus, and then they just like rock the bus over and drop it on top of all of those apes. Remember, they crush all of the ape guards who are guarding them. Sure, they just like kill all of them. I don't know that that like like to me that doesn't work any less than like. But that was the scene. That was the scene after. Caesar's son is talking and he just found out that Caesar's still alive. And he's like, I've just been following because most apes follow just out of fear and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And then the next scene they go and they kill 20 guards and they're not executioners. They're not like killing anything. They're just like trying to guard the, the fellow apes or whatever, because they're doing, or doing this out of fear. And then they just get crushed to death. And then like the movie doesn't like, it, that would be interesting if it was moral ambiguity or whatever, but the movie doesn't like seem to acknowledge that that even happened because it's not until later that Caesar does the like ape has never killed ape thing with Koba. Like it's that, it, like yeah, the, the then, very end when he, when he does the like, you are not ape and then kills him. Like I thought that was awesome because like, it's this thing of like, okay, well it's okay to kill if you other them, like, you know what I mean? And that's this like real yeah, moral yeah, yeah, exactly, ambiguity exactly. thing that I think is mm-hmm. really interesting, but it's like, 
that doesn't work if it comes after them just killing 20 ape guards one scene early. Like, it's, you don't, there's, you haven't, I don't know. All these things are written in for these beats. Just like him falling out of a tree and nobody looking. And, like, just like him breaking the guns and just like him doing these things. It's like, I understand the conversation that you're trying to, like, do this for. But the actual plot, like, doesn't, like, you're you're throwing it out the window in order to make these points. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I think you can make that same argument with the original five. I do because I think it'd be easy. I think that's the same mindset you, you would take. You to completely the can, but I think that the original five do that in order to introduce a moral ambiguity that makes you rethink your reality in a new way. Whereas this one is doing it in order to say, like in the first one, there the, the the victims who are kept in their victimhood need to just escape because they just want to be peaceful and everything's keeping them in their place and they just need to have their nonviolent revolution of peace and like you'd be wrong to be against that. And this one's just like, well, there, mm-hmm. if we could just like not have violence, then everything would be okay. And what's violence is just like all of this representation, like all of this trauma that's based on our pasts and whatever. And like if we could just you know, let that go, then maybe we could all be nice and nobody would have to have any. And it's like, well, that's fine, but it's not saying anything like about like, like I, I, it's the, it's the trauma narrative. It's a very modern narrative. Just like trauma creates people who like hurt people, hurt people. You know what I mean? Hurt apes, hurt apes. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I, I think that's it, a very true thing and I, like, I do. perfectly I, legitimate to explore. I think that's true. I think um, that's true. But yeah, like, what about what about war, though? Is it worth talking much about war since it's exactly the same thing? What are some of the things about war? I think, like... I think war is even more obvious for me about its messaging, I think, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, like, um, it, we also weren't talking about, like, we, we talked about the original five Planet of the Apes as being, like, incredibly dark movies. Yeah. And I think darkness and like mature themes are something that these people also understand about Planet of the Apes. Yeah. But it's another thing where they're doing it in a way that's actually very like unpleasant in the way that um like Beneath was. Right. Where right. where it's just kind of unwatchable. Like, da- like like yeah, like Dawn of the Planet like War for the Planet of the Apes has a lot of child murder themes in it, for instance. Yeah. Um and like a suicide lot of really and- kind of like suicide and yeah it's really kind of unpleasant i mean it's kind of wild that like very early on in the movie caesar's like wife and son are just like unceremoniously murdered by woody harrelson yeah 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 by the idf and like and his and his son was like a main character in the second movie yeah and like he basically just gets like gunned down at the beginning of this one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and there's like the thing about like um i really like bad ape which is like steve zahn's character yeah 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 um he like talks about how he had a child once and woody harrelson talks about how he had to murder his own child so that he wouldn't like become a dumb not talking human and succumb to the virus or whatever right it's really unpleasantly dark yeah um now what 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 do you think that's talking about if you if you apply that to a modern paradigm because for me this this feels like a like an autism conversation, which would be by 2017, kind of, yeah. like the equivalent of the, you know, 9-11 was an inside job from 2014. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's the internet, modern internet the vaccine, narrative. The vaccine stuff. made us autistic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's. We didn't even bring that. We, we didn't even bring that up as just like a way to lead into this, but like the whole entire virus narrative Oh, yeah. Pre-COVID, yeah, 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 is pretty ridiculous. That's, that's yeah. how Dawn starts with um, a quote. Um, 
by uh, Alex Jones saying, I'd say 95% chance it was manufactured and came out of a laboratory. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so true. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the first line <laughs> oh, of, man. or maybe the second line. Yeah, 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 of, of Dawn. And it's, it's, I mean, it does, it's not Alex Jones, but it sounds like it could be Alex Jones. Like, it's hilarious. Um, so the, exact same so the virus wiped out most of humanity, but now these people who are left over are starting to get long COVID. And so, like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're kind of like, uh, they're kind of like the mutants from beneath, but like more realistic. I mean, they're even right. called Alpha and Omega with the name of the bomb or whatever. Yeah. Well, that, beneath. I mean, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my thing was that was Alpha and Omega. You know what I mean? This was 2017, Omega. man. This was this was 2017. <laughs> That's what's so obvious about this fucking movie is it's it's got the line "the wall is madness" in this movie. Yeah, like the yeah, whole movie true. is a it's like really really annoying fucking anti-Trump whine. It's just like the, there's the burning American flag and the, this wall is madness. The wall is not going to protect you from this. He's just building this wall for this power that he's taking over and blah blah blah. And then you get the. I mean, it's such a fucking bullshit. One of those things, and I hated it. <laughs> like I like I didn't realize that even watching it the first time. But like watching it again, it's like oh yeah, this was so fucking 2017. It's just like oh man, there's all these. Dep- deplorables everywhere that are trying to fight the apes and it's like if only there weren't all these fucking america loving backwards ass monsters like woody harrelson it's like i i hated it dude i i oh because it's so on the nose yeah. it's as on the nose i mean i thought it was more i, I thought it was as on the nose as dawn but it, it's it's at least more on the nose than dawn um you know, I like I think that it's it's completely partisan politics uh, and, and just like I don't think just like uh, I think the, that I don't Dawn think the filmmakers take... are doing it that way, man. I really don't think they're thinking about it that way. And these things are just kind of like subconsciously coming through. Maybe. Um, I think that it came through subconsciously in 2017 really hard with a bunch of people who were all on the same page then because there's no well, yeah, moral ambiguity people. and it's very much just like an attack at moronic deg- regressive deplorables and people who want to build walls and like not accept the childhood autism thing like that's the that's the weird like the the thing of this childhood autism stuff that's just like the movie seems to be talking about that but then it's also just like what does it have to say about it other than just kind of like no you should just be fine with an epidemic of autism that's the next step they'll be they'll it's, they're different than us it's fine <laughs> you know what i mean it's a weird mm-hmm. a weird I, thing to touch on and i have also nothing think to say though about. that like woody harrelson's character is like the last bastion of humanity too though so like there's a bit of a cognitive dissonance to that if you're like casting them as the villains of the movie but like they are the people who are actually fighting for like no, the last remnants no of exactly humanity. because they need to learn to step back and let somebody else have a chance I guess, but I just you know don't what I mean. It's like look at these, saying. look at these. Like the like, way they they want to build their walls, they want to do all this stuff, they want to take over this whole country. They love America. They got the burning flag and the thing, and it's oh my, these these people need to learn to step back and let the let the next generation take the hand of these other different race of people. Like you know, it's very sure. fucking on the nose. It um, doesn't have anything gray about that. Like I. Because it is. The point is, he is just regressing, and he does just need to take a step back and kill himself. Like you know, it's like it's it's, it doesn't have any. I still think all that is interesting, and I don't think it is like annoyingly preachy in the way that you're talking about. I do, I do think it's like portrayed in a way that like 
doesn't feel preachy like or that it's necessarily saying this is right or wrong like i don't know like i guess sure they are portrayed as like being kind of barbaric and stuff but that has a lot more to do with the fact that they are just like they have to live that way in order to survive there's no really there's no real alternative at that point uh, for them and i think that's interesting like i don't i think like woody harrelson's trying to inject humanity into that character too and that is not no, he's not just like an insane bad guy like i don't read him that way at all um and like Caesar is more morally ambiguous and is like dipping more and more into murder and justification of murder as the movies go on. So I don't know. Well, Woody Harrelson's like an anti-vaxxer, isn't he? I think I think he is. Yeah. Like I think <laughs> I don't know. I think he. Sure he I think he may be the type of person who you know is put into a role where he's supposed to play the evil Donald Trump. And, you know, he finds some humanity there. And it's like, yeah, he's got a little bit of a southernish accent that puts him in a red-coated sort of, you know, thing. But he still finds the humanity there because he's fucking... Woody Harrelson's the man. He's great. Like, his character yeah, sucks. Yeah. Like, and, uh, you know, at, but I do I do think he finds the humanity. But I think that's in spite... Just like, just like the first one. Like, James Franco, his role being... Like, him doing a good job is in spite of how it's written. Um, this yeah, one too, I think it, like Woody Harrelson is it, totally yeah. in spite of that, that he's supposed to be the Trump. Like he is, he is supposed to be Trump and Trump is a person who is a monstrous degrading thing that should kill himself. Um, and it's like, if that's all this movie's saying, that sucks. But then Woody Harrelson brings some humanity to it and it makes it kind of interesting, but that just kind of just makes it even more sad, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think like a lot of your issues stem from comparing it to the other ones and like that's very fair. But I also think no, but, to, but, I also just think I also just think these movies are different kinds of movies and yeah. they operate in a very different way than those movies from the 60s and 70s right. and I think when you take it on its own terms especially compared to what most Hollywood movies are like right now like I value these movies like I I, I think Totally, dude. I think, I think this they, is a really good they, trilogy. I think, I think one of the things we haven't even talked about yeah. is how well it works as a trilogy. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Which we didn't notice before because we watched them so far apart. Right, like, I right. think I saw Rise in theaters and then didn't watch, like, Dawn until, like, a year after it came out or something. Like, that kind of thing where there's, like, huge gaps of times between watching each one of these. And then, like, recently doing this research and re- revisiting them, like, all in a row... There was like a really nice continuity to them. I really appreciated, and yeah, maybe totally. that is and having the same characters as apes throughout. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, that is my autistic brain shit. But I like, think that stuff works so well. Something, like they do a really good job. Yeah, in the there is something satisfying about the cons- the consistency and the the way it rhymes with the other movies while being a very fundamentally different thing and all that. Totally, know? totally. I totally agree. Um, um, I think it, it would. One of the things that's weird, I think, about War is its attempt to tie into the original first Planet of the Apes movie um, mm-hmm. with Nova and stuff. It, where it's like, what is this supposed to like, be? Like, like this twenty Nova. years before, or like I guess fifteen years before, like, or maybe not even. Like, how old is Nova supposed to be? Like eighteen? How old is she in this? Like twelve? It's probably like six years. <laughs> but I mean, she's not. She's not meant to be the same Nova. Yeah, but no, the, the, no. So I was I I was reading a thing um, 
that I thought that the creators said that that this trilogy um, was supposed to theoretically lead into the original timeline. Um, no, no, for sure. But but I think it's still a spiritual thing when it yeah, comes maybe. to like I mean, Nova and whatever. Maybe, maybe. Like I mean, I, I just watched a. I just watched a behind-the-scenes feature as well, where the director, like, a few, like they're talking about Nova, and they're saying like, it's more of a spiritual idea of right. like, she she represents like, the new human and what Nova is and where all that comes from. Yeah, but she and Nova means new. Yeah, but, but like, that's it's, the, it's so different than what Nova is, though. You know what I mean? Because like, she is, can actually do stuff. She she just like she can learn sign language. All she is is mute, right? Like. Except that, nah, but she also just, like, doesn't have emotions because she watched her, she was, like, staring at her dead father in the opening scene and didn't care. So it is kind of an autism thing, right? Like, yeah, but Nova is very much like an animal that, thing yeah. where it's, like, she doesn't, she can't do. I think, the, I, I think the fact, I think the fact that the virus is creating a kind of autistic uh, symptoms and there's a lot of talk of child murder, like, somehow that is, a, that is. You know, just like you were saying about escape, like why does this feel like it's on that subject? Like war also has that feeling, and like yes, it's messy, and I don't know if it's actually really saying much of anything, but there does seem to be a lot of war that is like on that subject. Right. The, um, the autism and the yeah, uh, being a parent of an autistic child, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. and the responsibility of that. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, like. Because Caesar loses his child, and then like he has to, he slowly warms up to being a kind of a father figure to Nova, mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, there's that whole thread, and I don't know. There's something there to that, but I don't know. Then there's the ending. Caesar dies, and like the the apes find a new land where they can hopefully thrive, and whatever. And the humans are after that final battle, like all of the cognizant humans are either dead or going to evolve into autistic beings. So right, right. it really does just set the stage of like, yeah, now Planet of the Apes is next. Right. That's what's going to happen. And but apparently not. Now there's going to be a new one. Yep. Yep. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is on the docket. I just watched the teaser. Really? I'm not, I'm not really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of weird that like it, it has the same producers as uh, the this new trilogy, mm-hmm. um, but it looks like there aren't going to be. It doesn't look like there's any reoccurring characters or like it doesn't look connected to the other ones in any significant way as of now. What's really weird is that Caesar's older son and wife are killed, but his baby son named Cornelius survives. Mm-hmm. So, but like that doesn't look, it doesn't look like Cornelius is going to be the main character of Kingdom. So I don't know. It's a, it's also like a movie that's going to come out in theaters around Memorial Day, but like probably get sequestered to a Disney Plus original pretty quickly. Right, right. Yeah. And like it, for some reason, like now is not even just don't look as good. Like, yeah. 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 It feels like it might be the point where this franchise actually, like, fails. But I don't know. It kind of already failed with Burton's and then came back. So whatever. Like, but I have a feeling. I have a hard time believing this one will be as interesting as Burton's, or even as interesting as like Rise, Dawn, and War. Um, but we'll see. I've been surprised before. Yeah. 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 
But yeah, man, we've been going on for a little while now. Um, anything more you'd like to say about uh, these films? Fuck these movies. <laughs> fuck these movies. <laughs> well, no, we had right. to do our due diligence and talk about the whole franchise, and I'm glad we did. It was fun. And no, yeah. yeah, we actually had a few disagreements on this one, which is the first time on the pod. Um, but yeah, despite all your issues with these movies, and, and like, yeah, I guess I'm... I also like these movies. Like, I think I think that we're we're disagreeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're disagreeing on like a like you'd give it a seven and I'd give it a six or something, or you'd give it an eight and I'd give it a seven. Like, it's not like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah we're disagreeing yeah, exactly. on points, but it's like I I also think that these movies really work in a lot of the ways that you're saying. It's just that I yeah <laughs> I've already made my point. <laughs> the, but they're not as they're just not as deep and like adult and ambiguous and nuanced as the original. Uh, well, at least a few of the original five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to reach those heights, man. It's hard to reach those heights. It is. It's hard for any movies these days to reach the heights of films from the late '60s, early '70s. So, like, I don't know, like what you're competing with is like the height of filmmaking artistry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, man. To me, to me, like, I think that what the whole Planet of the Apes, like, always, like, the essential thing about it is, like, the moral ambiguity. Like, or, or, like you know what I mean? That, I think, is the thing that ties together all of those original movies, like, even more so than the aesthetic, where it's like you can have the primitive mm-hmm. aesthetic, you can have the in the 70s, you can have the kind of fascist, futurist aesthetic, whatever. Like, the only other thing that really ties them all together is, like, the costume. But, like... Otherwise, sure, like, yeah. the whole thing is just this moral ambiguity. And, like, that is the thing that I think was not remade. And, like, I mean, we, we disagree to the extent of how much it was brought into the, the trilogy. Um, but at least it was not remade in the Burton movie and was certainly less in the trilogy than in the original movie. I think we can agree that, like, the new trilogy attempted it. Like, like we said, that it, these it people both... It was up against things, but that these people both understood but couldn't go far enough in this paradigm kind of thing right right or at least they cared about it but they didn't understand i do think they're trying maybe they maybe they're trying to that's what it is they're trying trying to make it dark they're trying to pay homage yeah and i think it's to a fault you know like i think if they had actually allowed themselves not to be so tied down by the the need to be faithful and to appease all the autistic brains who want Easter eggs and all that kind of shit that like they might've been able to get into some other territory, but it's just the way the movies, it's just, it's just the way movies are made now, man. I think like they didn't have an art Jacobs. They didn't have the system that was going to say yes to all the ideas, you know? Yeah. In fact, these movies are notably toned down and have many like clear examples on the books of toning down. Right. Right. And trying to make them. acceptable to a mass audience, right? Doing the trying to strike that balance of making a very adult and violent movie, but make it PG thirteen, right? Which mm-hmm. Nolan does incredibly well, but most other people don't, right? You know, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're all products of their time, and we're just yeah, it's just been a very strange time for movies. Yeah, no, but that they really is. They are they are really products of their times. They're like almost like the the like diehard movies or something, as like really representative mm-hmm. of like how films of that time were made and the types of things that were themes in that time. So like, it's more so than the diehard movies, I guess. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. You sure. kind of see the development of filmmaking through 
you know, even the sequels. Um, yeah. For Burton sure. And, Burton and the trilogy, really different movies from each other. Because um, 2001 is a very different time than 2011 and shit. Yeah, I know. Even that jump is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, well, that's one thing yeah, I can say enough, about it. Enough, uh, enough about these apes. Should we uh, sign off and ride gloriously into the sunset? <laughs> that we should. That we should. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. That was good talking to you, man. Yeah, Until yeah. next time. Until next time.